Meet Me in Front of the Lapin Agile Cabaret At the corner of Rue des Saules and Rue Saint-Vincent It's like a country house with its pink walls, green shutters and a wooden bench in front of it You can't miss it It looks charming, quiet and uh, frozen in time At the end of the 19th century Many artists came to the hill of Montmartre to live cheaply, to make art and literature. Here, at this cabaret, they mixed with the gangsters and wrote songs about the pimps, the homeless and the prostitutes. They took their inspiration from people in the streets, people on the edge, people struggling in the hill. Do you see the painting on the second floor? with a rabbit holding a bottle of wine and jumping out of a saucepan. It's a little hard to see because of the glass. The artist portrayed himself as the rabbit, wearing the hat of the lower class worker, and the saucepan is meant to be the authorities. Montmartre was one of the poorest and most rebellious neighborhood of Paris. My name is Jeanne Robet. I'm a radio documentary maker and a sound artist. And I live five minutes away from the postcard image you have in front of you. Together, we are going to break that class. Let the rabbit escape and meet his contemporary fellows. From illegal painters to cigarette sellers, we will meet people who openly break the laws in the streets in order to make a living They will make us think about the way we use public space, how we choose what we condone and what we punish, what we show and what we hide. We will walk into streets that are very close but drastically different in terms of the population they attract, first on the top of the hill, among the tourists, and then down the hill, in the neighborhood of La Goutte d'Or, the drop of gold, with a large population of African immigrants, many of whom depend on the fringe economy. We will observe the cat and mouse game they play with the police. And perhaps we may find a bit of that spirit of defiance towards authority, once championed by the people of Montmartre. Let's walk. With the cabaret in front of you, turn right. Ahead, At this first small street, turn left after the cabaret. You are at the bottom of a tiny vineyard. Keep that on your right and continue walking. Before the grapes were planted, this vineyard was a wasteland, the refuge of tramps. And when it opened in 1860, the Lapin Agile was called the rendezvous of the thieves. And then the murderer's cabaret. The owner told me that this street was known for being a death trap at night, with local thieves threatening the visitors with long knives. But that is also a big part of Montmartre fantasy that people sought. Speaking of menacing streets, I do have to warn you, the good door where we will go afterwards, Fox News, in the wake of the Charlie Hebdo shootings, called it a no-go zone. I am guessing you are probably not an ardent believer what Fox News says, but just to make it clear, 
no Parisians consider any area of Paris a no-go zone, too unsafe to enter. There is actually more of a chance you could lose your wallet like me with the help of a pickpocket right here in Montmartre than later in La Goutte d'Or. Now, with that said, I really don't recommend going there alone at night, drunk and waving your iPhone around. Now, you're walking by a small ecological garden on your right. Both the vineyard and this garden belong to the city of Paris, but are only open to the public on rare occasions. Now, this street is all about reflecting the rural heritage of the hill and keeping it out of trouble. Take the first street on your right after you have passed the building at the corner. Okay, you are in Rue du Montseny, and uh, yes, you will climb the stairs ahead. Stairs are part of the Montmartre experience. Okay, you can't see it just yet, but after these stairs at the top of the hill, we're going to Place du Tertre, a famous square where painters display their portraits and celebrate the tradition of art in Montmartre. But in Place du Tertre, there are the legal artists and the illegal ones. I will show you when we arrive, but basically the ones that are sitting behind their easels are working legally. And the ones that are approaching you in the streets nearby are working illegally. So as to preserve the reputation of the square, the city of Paris manages how many and which artists can work here legally. The waiting list to get a permit to paint is about 10 years. And the city recently set up a competition in order to maintain a certain quality of the art presented here. Despite the city's good intentions, regulating who can make art here certainly does feel in contradiction with the anti-establishment spirit that made the hill famous. Once you are at the top of the stairs, walk all the way straight to the end of the street. You will see more and more sightseers around you. More than 12 million visitors come here each year. When we soon arrive at the square of Place du Tertre, you will see painters and tourists every day, no matter what, even on the coldest winter day. Keep walking towards the intersection ahead. Pause for a moment at this corner. On your left, you will probably see some of the illegal painters holding their sketch paper on giant clipboard easels. Some of them might approach you. Those ones don't have the permit to walk around here. Like Paul, the first street lawbreaker we'll meet. At one point, Paul was actually a legitimate legal painter. But today, he's one of the outlaws. I work here since uh, 1973. I am a caricaturist. Now, start working the same way we've been going. Paul usually works by the square further ahead. The artist's square is uh, regulated by the police and belongs to the city. When I arrived, I just showed my portfolio and got an authorization to work here. But then it became more and more crowded and regulated. We had to share one meter square with another painter and kindly stay behind our easels. At some point, I got so tired of it. I decided to draw standing and move around. It was like a death sentence. You know? There were some complaints about me. 
I got letters from the authorities. I even had to go to the police station once. You see the La Bohème restaurant with the red canopy on your right? The artist square is right behind that corner. Go there. Let's linger here by the lamppost at the corner of the restaurant for a moment. Well, it actually looks like a lamppost, but it's a camera. And observe the ballet between the artist standing and the artist sitting. Feel free to move around the square if you like. I will meet you back here. I was standing by La Bohème restaurant, drawing a, a German tourist. A policeman came behind my back and said, Sir, stop the violation of the law. I answered something that was not very polite, you know. And I ended up spending a night at the police station with the dealers, the prostitutes, the thieves, and the cockroaches. I dream of an imaginary country where people can walk around without papers, without harming anybody. There are so many laws in France. No one understands the laws anymore. So I was forbidden from the square and lost my permit. I have tried to get an authorization to work back on the Place du Tertre. But the waiting list is so long. I don't care anymore. Sometimes I get fines from the police. The fines depends on how nice you are with the policeman, you know. The restaurant terrace and the souvenir shop have the right to use the public space on the sidewalks. But we have to stick to the square. Sometimes there are conflicts between us. Those who are authorized tell us not to come here. The fact that I refuse to stand in the, in the designated square. Of course, I look less serious. People tell me they'll come back once they have made their choice. Usually, you find them uh, three meters further posing for someone who looks more serious. When you sit behind an easel, packed with your colleagues around you, you are kind of like in the Ministry of Portraits, Ministry of Caricaturists of Place du Tertre, you know, the one decided by the city of Paris. All the people who are not sitting on the square are working illegally. There is a tolerance around the Chevalier de la Barre Street, but if you stand near the square, you have more chances to getting a fine and having your equipment taken away. The rules are not so clear, and I don't pay the fines anyway. <laughs> That's the game of life. Now meet me back at the corner of La Bohème restaurant and walk a few steps past the restaurant, back down the same street the way we came from. Let's walk back down the street where you came from. You would think the illegal painters are the new ones, But just like Paul, some of them have been working here for ages. They just don't want to bother with the rules. And they don't really fear the police. They find arrangements, share the territory, and try to avoid complaints from the tourists. One thing that everybody agrees upon, legal and illegal, is that the shops here should not sell imported paintings made in China, pretending to be local Parisian art. Those paintings became the common enemy. And it's always good to have a common enemy to avoid tensions between co-workers. Keep going. Turn right here at the street by the red-brown coffee place. We're going to walk towards the basilica 
known as the Sacré Coeur. The street you're now walking in is named after a young man, the Chevalier de la Barre. In 1766, he was accused of not saluting a Catholic religious procession in public. He was tortured and beheaded before his body was burnt along with Voltaire's philosophical dictionary. The official address of the Catholic Sacré-Cœur Basilica is now Rue du Chevalier de la Barre, which is highly ironic since the poor guy became a symbol of Christian intolerance and a hero of secularism. Actually, the people of Montmartre hated the Sacré-Cœur because it was built to purge the crimes and sins of the city's most rebellious neighborhood after the Paris Commune, a working-class uprising that started right here in 1871 and briefly ruled Paris. The Paris Commune is often said to be the first example of working people taking power in France. Continue walking towards the Basilica among the illegal painters and the tourists. Turn right here at the corner of the stone wall. You are now walking by the Sacré-Cœur on your left. The view of Paris will become larger and larger. So the Paris Commune ended in a bloody revenge. Thousands of rebels were killed. And now there are millions of tourists from all around the world who come to visit the Sacré-Cœur every year at the exact spot where this highly anti-clerical uprising started. But I don't blame the tourists. The view is fantastic. And most people come here for the view. I personally walk up here every time I need to take a big breath and feel that Paris is at my feet. Keep walking towards the skyline view of Paris. Turn left in order to be in front of the Basilica. You will see stairs further down on your right. Walk towards the stairs. Look at the stunning view. It's the highest point in Paris. But don't you notice there is something missing on the skyline? Yes, the Eiffel Tower. It is too far on your right. but. Look around you, down on the pavement. There should be vendors displaying little Eiffel Towers at your feet, or just further down the steps. Unless the police just paid a visit. Walk towards the very top of the stairs and stop. Pause here a moment at the top of the steps and take in the view and the trinket market. Selling in the streets is usually forbidden in France unless you get a special authorization and pay taxes. But the city doesn't allow any street sellers here. And most of the illegal trinket sellers don't have papers to remain legally in France anyway, which pushes them towards work in the black market. In this game of cat and mouse, with many tourists come many mice. There is something bittersweet about the idea of tourists helping the illegal immigrants to survive in France by purchasing Eiffel Tower miniatures, Paris' most iconic souvenir. Usually here, on the top of the hill, you have sellers from Bangladesh. Let's walk down the steps to take in the rest of the black market. 
Walk down the stairs until you reach the terrace above the park and observe the mice around you, if you can see any. Cross the street here and keep walking down the stairs. When you reach the terrace above the park, you will see two big maps on both sides. Look for the map on the left and try to find a space for yourself by the map. Stand here by the balcony for a while. Enjoy the view, but also look around you, down on the park and on the terrace where you are standing. So, at the top of the steps we met the Bangladeshi tower sellers. Here, at this middle terrace, you have sellers from Senegal and Mali. And further down there, at the bottom of the park, there are people selling fake bags, hashish dealers and the gulu gulus. The gulu gulus grab your finger and your wrist and quickly make a bracelet around it that they then ask you to buy. The gulu gulus usually hang out in a group all the way at the very bottom of the stairs, on either side of where the stairs end. But Barry prefers to stand right here with the Senegalese trinket sellers. Me, I have my place all the time, same place. I don't change. Up, it's my terrace, the Sacre Coeur. Many, many territories there, but me, I have my territory. You know, all the time I walk the same place. My name Barry, like Barry White. But people call me Barry Black. When I see the police come, me, I don't run. Many people I see they run, but me I don't run. If you don't run, then come they say why you don't run. Maybe you don't make gulu gulu. Downstairs they have a camera. Camera is there. They look all. They know what guy make shit. What people do make shit. They know all. They know. They know. Many policies there. People talk to. You know. That's why you have to make a discreet. Discreet is good. If you wanna stay long time, you have to do discreet. Huh? It's like that the world. Ten years I'm here, ten years I do that. All of the black market sellers are well spread on the stairs from the bottom to the top in order to share the territory. The police come here to us them many times every day. But thanks to the trees and the bushes along the sides, there are many places to hide. Abdu is hanging around in the park below. Usually he's sitting on a bench on the left side smoking, selling hashish, and sometimes he's also making bracelet with the gulu-gulus. It's illegal, you see. So whenever you got three euros, two euros, or five euros, you say, good, I'm happy and you're happy. That's just a souvenir from Paris. That's all. So I try to do my best, you know, for not begging people or to steal someone. So you have to work for yourself. I don't have people for now, but I'm on the process. I'm on the process. I'm from Guinea. I'm, I'm from Guinea Conakry. Yes. They are Senegalese. There are people who used to sell the Eiffel Tower, you see. So whenever they see the police coming, they are going to, to run away, you see, to run away, taking their bags, to hide their, their bags somewhere, in, inside the park, inside, somewhere, you know, behind the bushes, you know, over there, inside, on the trees. They are an old man, all of them, they are not young, like as me, you see. Whenever the sun is shining, you know, the summertime, they are a lot around, you know, but the policemen, whenever they come, all these people run away. <laughs> With the view of Paris in front of you, make a left. 
past the green gate and walk down the stairs on the side of the terrace. As you walk the stairs, if you look closely, you might see some dark plastic bags behind the bushes. They contain Eiffel Towers ready to go. The bags serve both as a rug and as a quick bag vendors can scoop up in a hurry with all the trinkets in it and escape from the police. One time I was walking right here and I saw one of them climbing the rocks on your right with his little bag, going behind the bushes. He looked behind his back to check if no one was following him. We made eye contact. I could see the confusion in his eyes. Once you reach the track at the end of the stairs, turn left and walk towards the exit of the park. Eiffel Tower sellers were afraid I might be an undercover cop. I have met the police commander of the whole district. I am not sure why such a high-ranking official agreed to spend some time with me, but the first question he asked was if I was doing this because of the so-called no-go zone. That was definitely not good for his reputation. In theory, there is no tolerance. If there were only one or two sellers, it would not be a problem. But if you come up in front of the basilica and there is a hundred of illicit merchants, the place loses its charm. People can't walk freely anymore. And that is not tolerable. The main penalty and uh, usually the only one, is the seizure of the goods. We control them every day and check their administrative situation. It's a way to get an instant picture of the group compositions. The people who run away are more afraid of having their administrative status controlled than of losing their merchandise. Have you seen any of the stray cats around here? They might be undercover cops too. Once you reach the end of the park, take the exit gate. Now walk towards the patio terrace in front of you, the cafe with the colorful tables. Pass it and make a soft right at the corner. Walk all the way to the end of the street. You are entering a more quiet urban zone, which is a buffer between Montmartre and the area we are walking to, La Goutte d'Or. Very few tourists ever venture down the hill in La Goutte d'Or. La Goutte d'Or is not the Paris of Amélie. It's the Paris of Ahmed and Mamadou. Unlike Montmartre, it has remained working class since the 19th century, but the faces of the workers have changed. Many waves of immigrants have settled there from the 20s, mainly from North and West Africa, where French is widely spoken. La Goutte d'Or is like the face of former French colonies. It is also a place where many Parisians of African roots who live in other parts of town come for shopping and socializing. But as opposed to Montmartre, it is often described as an area full of illicit activities in the streets. You will soon reach number 11 on the right, a shop painted in light blue. When you see this shop, Stop and have a quick look through the window. You will find strange animals staring at you. The animals change every week. But among the married crocodile couple and the dolls that are half human, half birds, you should find at least one mouse. 
Last time I passed by, the mouse had a Superman shirt on. And sometimes there is a sad taxidermied cat on display. I asked the cat commander how the local cats feel about the neighborhood's constant cat and mouse foreplay. No, we are not amused by the cat and mouse game. It's certainly more rewarding to arrest an aggressor or a thief than a street seller. But all the illegal activities have an effect on how we live together. It's a fascinating and uh, exciting space for the policemen and observers. But it is also very tiring. The turnover is important among the policemen. Have a last look at these wild animals. Now start walking again down the street. It is a difficult district. The territory is very diverse, with a flow of tourists on one hand, and a flow of people from different communities who come for shopping on the other hand. Cross the street ahead. Keep walking straight. There are currently some discussions at the city hall around the possibility to allow street sellers to use a designated public space to sell their merchandise in La Goutte d'Or regarding African food products. But that is not the case for street sellers on Montmartre Hill. In any case, it won't be a miracle solution. Because what those people want is to avoid any control. They don't want to inform the administration about their activity, ask permission from the local authorities, pay taxes. They want to be completely free to sell whatever they want and whenever they want. You're coming up on Rue de Clignancourt. Cross it and when you get to the other side, take a ride. Here is the first border between Montmartre and La Goutte d'Or. The police station of the whole district is in this street, back behind us. We will go to Chateau Rouge first, the little Bamako, and then towards Barbès, the North African part of the district. You will make a hard left ahead after the café with a big red tabac sign, like tobacco, and take a street called Rue Poulet. Poulet means chicken, and guess what? The cops are called the chickens, which is actually a pretty affectionate nickname. Turn hard left at this corner. Now walk down the chicken street. The chicken street. <laughs> Crazy name. That's why Paris is so good. The more you walk, the more you will see African hair shops. It's a sign that we are heading towards Chateau Rouge metro station. There are many of those shops all around. And the competition is high. So the shops are employing street solicitors in order to attract new customers but also as a way to help people within their community. None of this is legal. They are not employing them officially. Street soliciting is forbidden in France and they are illegal immigrants. Most of them catch the customers at the exit of the metro station. We will stop there in a moment. I have met one of those guys named Lansana. Lansana is moving around depending on what hair shops he works for and that changes every day. His nickname is the Cowboy. The policemen of Chateau Rouge, they know me. With my cowboy hat on, you know. They say, 
Hey you, little man with the hat, soliciting in the streets, where are your papers? <laughs> Everybody knows me with my hat. I always have it on. People call me the cowboy. Every day you can find the cowboy in Chateau Rouge. Maybe you'll see the cowboy walking around. At the end of the street, you'll cross the boulevard. There is some kind of bridge, you know. And the bridge is the boulevard Barbes. In Chateau Rouge, you can see the real life. And in Montmartre is movie life. On the other side, you will be officially walking into a quote-unquote sensitive urban zone, an urban area defined by the French authorities to be a high-priority target for city policy regarding housing, employment and security. Okay, now you should be ready to cross the boulevard. Head for the Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant on the other side. Chicken Street had to end up with the KFC. You are in front of the KFC, turn right and look for the escalator letting people out of the metro station. It's a little further ahead, around a hundred feet. There should be young African men holding flyers in their hands. Go stand by the escalator. The metro station is going to be closed for a while, for heavy renovations, so if the metro station is closed, stand in front of the hair extension shop by the escalator. You might see a street solicitor standing there, holding a flyer to show the ladies the hairstyles they can buy inside. If the police is around and they want to be discreet, they just hang in front of that shop, looking for targets. Good. Here we are by the exit of the metro. Linger here for a minute while we catch up with our cowboy. The hairdressers? If I send them customers from the street or from the exit of the metro station, I get a small percentage, you know. I come here very early in the morning, from 8 a.m., to catch the first customers of the day, you see. Mom, you want a nice haircut? Miss, the most beautiful girl in the world. Some people know the shops where they want to go, but they prefer that we guide them so that we can make some cash. If it is raining, we go into KFC. The people of KFC know us, and they let us rest in here. We are like 20 in and out. And there are the people who come from the Tantan countries, you know? They work with the African marabouts. They also distribute flyers. Sexual importance, sterility, bring back your love. <laughs> but you know, people from Pakistan, Afghanistan, Kurdistan, you know, the people from the Tantan. Sometimes we make neologism, we invent words. There is no discrimination, only the law. Policemen are used to it. They know us. If they want, they can catch us all. But we respect it, you know. We hide our things and play the cat and mouse game. There are some policemen who tell us it's forbidden. They take away our flyers. Some of them say we will be going to court. But they never take us to the police station. They have mercy, you know. Some others come and play with us. They say, Mister, you have hidden something. They look into our pockets. And when the, they, they find the flyers, they say, don't do it again tomorrow. And the day after, we are doing it again. We tell them, we don't want to beg for money. 
in the metro station. It is humiliating, you know. They don't harm us, but still, they scare us a little bit when they take our names and all. But there is tolerance. They do what they have to do. When we see them, we pass on the word and hide our flyers. Yes, we hide them. But, yeah, into my underwear. They can't put their hands in there. Go back to where you came from. Pass the KFC and head towards the yellow M sign ahead of you. Stick close to the shops on your right. You will pass by the main metro station on your left. There is often a police car standing right behind it. Local police works by finding a balance between the public order on one hand and a tolerance towards activities tied to the local context on the other hand. Even if they are illegal, they constantly perform an adjustment, especially because there is a strong sense of solidarity in Chateau Rouge, like in the metro station where people help each other, cheat the system and hold the getaway doors open so person after person can avoid paying a metro ticket. Turn soft right here by the fruit stand, back on the Poulet Street that is continuing on the other side of the boulevard. Walk all the way to the end of the street. You will see a market on your right, and many street sellers, unless again if the police is nearby. But once the police is gone, it doesn't take a minute before they come back. Malik comes for food shopping here. It's a big market. Every vegetable you can find in Africa, you can find it in Chateaurouge, you know. Every things, every, every motherfucking things in Chateaurouge. And there is a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of confusion, you know. Always cops around there, people are running. And sometimes you are running and you don't know why. Because you see people run and you run. Matt is a former crack addict and he used to steal and sell products here. You hear this word, bolo, 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 means cops. When you hear that sound in the street from one corner to another, you know the police is coming. Everybody's packing back, starting to run away. Choi, choi, choi. This is also another way to say cops. And when they arrive, you see them because they want to be seen. And they know everything. They just try to observe the whole movement. I used to go to the pharmacy, steal some cream, hand creams, and all the things like that to resell them to the women who are selling dry fish and safu in the streets all along the Rue Poulet. When I started, I had to go to every one of them to see who was going to buy from me. And after a week or two, I met the boss of those women who told me, give everything to me. I will pay you the right price and I'll do my business with my girls. As we reach this corner, turn hard right just behind the pharmacy with a green cross sign. Now keep walking straight. Across the street at the corner on your left, there are usually girls casually waiting, who are unfortunately working too. So they play like local people buying things or having conversation in the street. When you approach, they know why you're coming. Maybe you want to have an affair with them, a paying affair, or maybe it's a condom business. Condoms, yeah. Matt was stealing and reselling everything he could, even condoms to the prostitutes. The cowboy is friends with some of those girls. They're all from Nigeria. Prostitution is not forbidden in France, 
expert pimping and soliciting sex are. Most of the girls are young, you know, 18, 19. They have been manipulated by people back home who brought them here and have to pay back. I treat them like my sisters. I tell them it is too dangerous for them, that there are more opportunities for women in France. I tell them to go get some help from the social workers. They call me my brother. Keep walking among the women selling vegetables in the street and cross the street ahead. Most of the prostitutes work in small groups during night time. One night, as I was cycling by, I was stopped and pushed by a drunk, aggressive man. Suddenly, something like 10 girls coming from all the corners came to rescue me and punched the guy. The streets are actually safer when they're here because they don't want any trouble that would make the police come around. At this corner, look for the red food shop on your left, opposite the pharmacy. Cross the street diagonally and turn left on Rue Mira by the red food shop. This street marks the border between the sub-Saharan part of the district and the North African part. For many years, Rue Mira had a really bad reputation for drug dealing, especially crack, but more recently has been largely pushed to other parts of Paris. Rue Mira has also been the subject of a controversial debate, not about drugs or other dubious businesses, but around a very different illegal use of public space. Imagine for a moment this entire street from right here to three blocks ahead of us. Shoes on the side of the street, carpets in the middle and hundreds of people gathered on their knees. Jackie, a neighbor, recalls these massive public prayers which were formally outlawed in 2011. In the Rue Mira, there is a, a mosque from a long time ago and uh, the mosque used to put some uh, speakers in the street for all the people to be able to hear the preach of uh, the imam. We'll pass the mosque in two minutes. Karim is a documentary maker and a specialist of the history of Muslims in France. The reason why people in, uh, in Rue Mira were praying in the street, because now it's uh, forbidden and the police enforces this uh, prohibition. The reason is very simple, because the mosques are too small and uh, there are too many Muslims. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> so it was a huge discussion in France. France has a lot of silly discussions like this. And then these people from the far right said, no, it's impossible, uh, people praying the street, it's uh, an occupation, it's shocking, this is not a Muslim country, it's against secularism, blah, 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 blah. Cross the street ahead and keep walking straight. But secularism means that if you need a place to worship, you must be able to build one uh, somewhere. And it's very difficult for the Muslims to build places of uh, worship. And people didn't want to pray in the street. They don't like praying in the street. It's cold, it's dirty, you don't have any reason to do so. But they want to pray, they want to go to the mosque, and the mosque is just packed. At this corner, continue walking in the same way, but cross the street diagonally so that you walk on the left side. Finally, a solution was found by the city, which converted a former fireman building into a mosque in the north of the district and built a cultural Islamic center in La Goutte d'Or, which serves both as a museum and as a place of worship. 
France is so dogmatically secular compared to other Western countries that what happened here is a very unusual example of pragmatic thinking around this question. You're going to pass by the little mosque at number 28. It is so small you might not even notice it. It is just under the hotel sign. Don't go in, but have a quick look and then walk a little further, two buildings ahead. Stop in front of the green shop at number 26, called the Parisian farm. Have a look through the window. Boxes of eggs, yes. But boxes of very fresh eggs. Please walk into the shop. Say hello, bonjour, or salam alaikum, and have a look through the window on your left. Yes, those are alive and very fresh chickens indeed. This shop is the only one in the city where you can buy alive chickens. Remember the nickname and imagine all those cops locked into jail. They actually look pretty cute in these uniforms. Look at the pictures of the owner hung on the wall opposite the chickens. They were taken by a famous British photographer called Martin Parr who was invited by the Islamic Cultural Center of La Goutte d'Or to show the diversity of the neighborhood. Between the mosque, the flamboyant and forbidden displays of religiosity in the middle of the street, and this little shop of live chickens, it's almost as many of the stereotypes Westerners have of Muslims are concentrated right here in a blend of fear and fantasy. I imagine that if a Fox News reporter ever ventured into this no-go zone, he would probably be worried that this Muslim sacrificed a live chicken every time they prayed in the street. Former President Jacques Chirac, talking about La Goutte d'Or 25 years ago in a speech, referred to the noise and the smell. This punchline became so infamous that it was mocked and sampled in many hip-hop songs. Walk out of the shop and say goodbye. Now turn right and walk back towards the corner where you came from. Speaking of noise, public space and secularism, I remember the words of Malik about the call for prayer by the Imam. We never hear that sound in the very secular streets of Paris. Instead, we hear very secular church bells. You know, I remember when I was in Africa, if I go somewhere and I don't hear a shadow Allah, 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 Akbar, like, you know, when the musicians call for the people to come pray, I say this place is a bad place because I don't hear nobody call for people to go to pray. There is something bad happening in this place. The fear and fantasy are happily reversible and universal. At this corner, make a left and cross the street diagonally. Walk on the right side and straight up towards the entrance of the park at the end of the street. In a minute, you'll see St. Bernard Catholic Church on your left. It is famous for having hosted 300 illegal immigrants in the 90s. In infamous and intolerant moment for Paris, 1,500 policemen raided the church, captured the immigrants, and eventually deported them. The arrest had huge media coverage and made a deep score in the movement for immigrant rights in France. Do you see the church on your left? 
cross the street here and head over to the entrance to that park straight ahead. Walk into Léon Park here. It's a playground for kids and a meeting spot for the old men who gather around the shakers' tables. Because it's the only green space in the neighborhood, many efforts were made to reduce crime in the park so that people could safely come here to relax. It worked. Today the park has become a space where people can really breathe. Around this little park, there are many associations and cafes fighting for solidarity, diversity and political engagement. Keep walking, you will soon see the chess tables where the old men gather. When you see the chess tables, sit on one of the benches. We're going to take a break here, before we move on to another busy part of the neighborhood, which is Barbès. The life in the streets of La Goutte d'Or, just like Montmartre before, gives inspiration to many artists, like the local hip-hop band from the 90s, La Scrète Connexion. In many ways, everything that is creative about French language and music now comes from this kind of environment. One of the songs of the hip-hop band is called Besbar, which is the reverse word for Barbès. That's a common slang habit to reverse all the words. The first words of the songs are Come take a walk in the 18th district. Besbar, north side of the capital. Besbar, behind the scene, close to Montmartre. The lyrics talk about the life and struggle of the people in the streets, including the proud bad guys and the policemen, of course, like in any classical hip-hop song. Sofia is a young writer. She chose to set her first novel in La Goutte d'Or. I discovered this place uh, when I was a teenager. Um, I was 15. I had run away from my parents' uh, home for many reasons. I had heard many stories uh, from my family about Barbès, because uh, in Arabic families, Barbès is like a myth, a big myth. It's like uh, the conquest of the West. And uh, in Algeria, we all have a member uh, of the family that has a story to tell uh, about uh, this area. When I got out of the metro station, I was very surprised to see many Africans in the street and Arab men and so many men. There was a little uh, Senegal woman who was selling some fruit, uh, exotic fruit in the street. I had no place to stay. I was scared. She helped me. She took me out of the street. She had very little, but she treated me as her daughter. She also had run away uh, for her freedom and she was a very strong woman. I had no idea I could find in Paris such a place with such solidarity. And I promised myself later I would write about this neighborhood and those women. I had read the novel, a famous novel written by Emile Zola, La Sommoir, uh, which uh, describes the struggling life of people in 19th century. The main character of this novel is also a strong woman who fights for her dignity. It's a big, uh, first big study of poverty in working class district that is written in a, such a realistic way. And it's uh, written exactly in those streets. I have spent many days and nights uh, walking in those streets, meeting people, collecting stories, finding uh, inspiration for uh, write my book. And the main character uh, in my novel is a young migrant uh, who discovers French society in this area. He lives in uh, Rue Léon, and the first sentence of my book is 
My street tells the story of the world with a smell of trash. Okay, in a moment, we'll go to the metro station Barbès and the famous Market of the Thieves. It's a black market specialized in stolen goods. The common joke is to say that if your iPhone or your bike have been stolen, you can buy them back there. Some people who have a romantic perception of things smile when we talk about the market of the thieves. The policeman doesn't smile a lot. Stand up and walk out of the park on the side opposite to where you came from. Pass through the exit gate. Here, at this street, cross straight ahead. Just across at the dark blue storefront, via right and then immediately curve left around the storefront, continuing straight ahead down the street. Our friend Matt, the former addict, tells us about the market of the thieves. So it's pretty easy to steal phones, computers, laptops, and wheels, bicycles, and bring it and get quick money every day. So I remember one time I, I did someone in the metro, he was sleeping. This guy was coming back from Saturday night fever. <laughs> and I just took a, a blade and I cut his pocket open. And I took his cell phone into his pocket. It was seven o'clock. I had just two stops to be in Barbès and I had my 100 euro at eight o'clock in the morning. That was the first seller. And at this time, everybody knows, if you come at this time, you're a junkie. You're coming up on Lac Dorsuit. Old Algerians often gather here to chat and drink tea. Cross the street ahead onto this little central island area and then make a right. Now walk to the little tree at the end of the island and pause for a moment. Do you see about a hundred feet ahead on the right? There is another police station just one minute away from the thieves' market where we're going. I like to think of them as co-workers. Okay, now cross the street ahead and make a left by the shop with the red and yellow sign. Walk down the street. You can see the overhead metro line in the distance. From this street and all the way to our last stop, you will be observed as much as you observe. You see, people... They're here in the street, like they're waiting for someone or something. You don't know what they do, but they are doing things, yeah? So many young males standing, Arab young males, wow. It's very, very frightening. Who knows what could happen? They could have a knife and, you know, stab you. Turn right at the corner ahead. Just past this corner, let's pause for a moment. Here we are, at the Market of the Thieves. If it's Wednesday or Saturday morning, it's going to be crowded with the official market under the Hoverhead Metro. But any time during the week, the unofficial market is taking place here too. Right around where we are standing, and sometimes it is so packed, you will have a hard time making your way out. Now, keeping the metro overpass on your left, walk ahead past the market of the thieves. As you walk, you might see money flying from one hand to another. You have uh, many, many buyers in the street. They watch what you have. You can try them one by one. But the more you try, the more they talk, the more the Arabic telephone works, 
So the, the rumor is spreading. Someone is trying to sell, watch him, observe him. Belek, Belek, like they say, watch the cops. He might be an undercover trying to make us down. Babak is uh, the father, but Belek, Belek means watch the cops because watch your father, <laughs> the authority of your father. It's funny. <laughs> They give you a name, he's Mr. Bicycle, he's Mr. Computer, he's Mr. This or that. I had my buyers. I had guys I knew, they had money, and they were buying at the best price for me. Keep walking, I'll meet you just ahead. As we walk closer towards the metro, you'll hear Legend Bled or Malboro Bled. The thieves market turns into a market of tax-free cigarettes from North Africa, much cheaper than the ones you can buy in the shops. Blad means the village and back home in Arabic. That word is used in French too. Sellers are mainly young illegal immigrants from Algeria. Keep on ahead. Cross the street ahead and keep walking straight. Every Parisian knows this corner and its cigarette sellers. This black market has been going on for ages since World War II. And guess what? It started with American soldiers who had brought stocks of cigarettes to Barbès. The police commander doesn't know that story, but is very aware of the secret spots. There are cigarettes inside street furnitures, like in the traffic lights, under plate sewers, into unimaginable corners, in storefronts, in sometimes very unusual places. Your listeners should not embark on a treasure hunt of cigarettes, or they will get in trouble with the vendors Keep walking ahead. You see the footlocker shop? Pass it, and then cross the street on your left at the traffic lights. I'll meet you on the other side. Have you crossed? Good. Don't go under the bridge. Turn immediately left. As soon as you reach the side exit on the metro on the right, stop and observe the show. Okay. Stand by the security railing along the boulevard like the cigarette sellers do when they take a break. You should stand facing the side exit gate of the metro station. Shuf, shuf. Watch. Someone is probably already looking at you. There is always someone we call the shuf, the watcher. He's the shuf. He watches the cops and the place you hide. Above the doors and on the ground. Or under trashes. Or in the trash. Around the metro station. Look on your right. If the police are here, their car will be parked right under the bridge, at the corner. Look on your left, by the no-entry red sign, above the metro's turnstile exit gate. You see anything red and white, maybe? That is a classic spot to put the cigarette cartons, so that you avoid being arrested by the police with stocks of cigarettes on you. <laughs> 